Okay, good morning, everyone. Thanks again to uh, Lazy Bean. Sam Ebel, anyone who's listening to this uh, on the recording, you missed a lot today. Just watching Sam serve the coffee was beautiful. Today's learning is being sponsored as well by Fran and Sam Ebel to mark the arts of Fran's mother, Tiparabas Moshe, Shirley Marcus, as well as Francine Weisbrook to commemorate the arts of Francine's father-in-law, David Ruvain Ben Shalom, David Weisbrook. Remember very well. Uh, today's shear, it's a loaded shear. We'll try to finish it uh, by 8.10. It's my job. It's actually inspired by uh, three different uh, sources. One was a piece I read from Revolbi when I was in uh, Israel last week. And then I uh, heard of the great Tzvartzara of the Shabbos afternoon by Rabbi Israeli. And then uh, one of my kids actually shared, me, shared with me something. So we'll try to put it together. I'm going to start with the Revolbi piece, and we're going to work backwards. It's more or less what Revolbi said with my own insights. Revolbi is known for uh, Musser. He has a very famous sefer. The classic sefer on Musser is called the Ali Shore, but there are many other svarim of, of his. He really believed in Musser, even uh, in this generation. I heard him speak one time. I mean, I think he must have passed away 25 years ago. I heard him speak one time. It was one of the greatest speeches I ever heard. I had no idea what he said. But it was in Yiddish, but I, I saw it was serious, you know, like, and I saw the reactions. Sometimes you saw that guy singing. You know that uh, YouTube video of the Satma bus driver singing uh, Kedusha? So, uh, God willing, he'll be coming for Shabbos. So, you know, yeah, sometimes you really have feeling, even if you don't know exactly what you're saying. You know, you're in the environment. But Baruch Hashem today in Hebrew, and now there's even in English, Revolbi Yasvarim. I never, uh, there's almost no peace that you find that, at least personally, I don't take away something, a big Chiddush. So he quotes the Ramban. So we're going to use him for a uh, Chumash shear, but this is really a shear on tefillah. It's seeing uh, tefillah in the parsha. So this is a pretty famous Ramban, especially if you know it. And the Ramban says at the outset of our parsha, as an introduction, which he doesn't usually have to a parsha. I'm just going to read part of it at the top, the Ramban. <clears throat> so first of all, he talks about why this parsha is written. Very interesting. First part is Nikhtava Parsha Zos Lodia Kihetsa Kash Barku as Avdo Vigalami at Khazaki Menu, Vayishlach Malak Vayasileu. So the first thing is Hashem loved Yaakov, and there's a lot of details in this parsha to let us know that Yaakov was going to be saved. That's not what I'm focusing on. But also to teach us Shahu Lobatak Basikasa that uh, Yaakov, even though there was a promise, right, the famous promise that was given to Yaakov, don't worry, you're going to come back. Um, he didn't rely on any promises. Do you call that ain't some canal on ace, ain't some canal whatever? But the bottom line is you have to put in what we call hishtadlis. We use this term very loosely. You have to put in the effort. It's always the question, how much effort? As much effort as possible, most likely. So this I never really noticed because I didn't read it correctly, maybe until I saw it all be. And he put in as much effort as possible. We've already discussed Yaakov was a person about effort. He worked hard. He uh, did other things very hard, as we're going to say. He davened in a hard way. That was actually Rabbi Israeli's talk, that Rachel had a tain on Yaakov. You know, why aren't you working hard enough for me? Yaakov said to Rachel, why aren't you davening? We'll see if we have a chance how the Rishonim and deal with that question. But we know that Yaakov did three things. You tell me, in the beginning of the parsha, in, in order to try to either appease Esau or just, uh, I guess, to appease Esau. 
Three things. What did he do? He uh, sent him gifts. He showed him what he had, or partially, you know, you always keep a little in the back pocket. He uh, sent the military, because you have to have a strong tzahal, and he prayed. So which, what's the hishtadlis? So I always looked at it, perhaps incorrectly, that there's two out of three, that's like uh, human effort, right? The human effort is he put in, uh, he sent the gifts, whether you agree you should send gifts to the uh, enemies or not, Chazal talk about. He set up the military, nobody's going to fight with that. And then the prayer I always thought was, you know, that's his bitachon, that's between him and Hashem. But as you'll see from the Ramban very clearly, and maybe it's so basic, that's part of the hishtadlis as well. It's not like we segregate prayer. I put in human effort and I put in prayer. Prayer is, ipso facto, part of the human effort. So that's the whole shear today. You don't have to see anything else we're going to say. But that's basically what we're going to show is the human effort that's involved. That's what it says towards the bottom. The reason why the story is here is we're supposed to, uh, this is not to say, wow, Yaakov's such a hero. The military man, the gift man, the prayerful man, Yaakov is the model for us, right? Not... What he did is supposed to be a simon for us to do when we're facing uh, stressful situations. That's what the Ramban says in his intro. And I underline Now, if you flip over the side, then we're going to work our way backwards. So, in this piece by uh, Revolbi, which is a piece on Parshas by Yishlach, he has a parish on, on Bereshis, Shemos and Vayikra. I know they're trying to put out by Midbar. So in this piece, in this piece, I have a mistake here on the recording, so we'll fix it up. In the piece, he quotes another pasuk later on from Pashas Miketz. You see on the bottom where it says, Revolbi on Vayishlach? And then he quotes a fascinating, so that we're not going to deal with right now. And then he quotes a fascinating halacha in the Shulchan Aruch all going back to our Pasha, based on the Ramban. So the Shulchan Aruch is discussing uh, bloodletting. Bloodletting is the, uh, let's say, the medicine at the time of the Talmud, maybe even a little bit later on. But some kind of medical, I don't know exactly what they did, take out the blood. It's not a blood transfusion, but there was some type of way. So the Shulchan Aruch tells us, if you're going through this medical procedure, Omer, you should say, the reason why Revolvi is bringing this piece, he's saying this is, whether, again, we agree with this form of medicine or not, but you're having a medical procedure, you're, we're going to see a little bit further, then you have to remember that part of the hishtadlus is for you to recognize Hashem. Not just afterwards, if everything works out okay, you say Baruch Hashem. But beforehand, right, you have to recognize that tefillah is part of hishtadlis. Doesn't Nothing happens, that's what the Shulchan Aruch says. You look, so some of the commentaries say, this is only when you're facing sakana. Remember there were the big shilas when um, people were first getting the vaccines. Uh, imagine there's still some people who haven't gotten them. But in the olden days, you know, when people were getting the vaccines way more than six months ago, you know, should you say a brach or not? The discussion then was more about a bircha shevach. Should you say shechianu, hatovu metiv? I didn't see any discussions about this, that it actually should work, you know, because uh, there's no guarantee. 
Right? There's no, what we've seen there's no guarantee. You're supposed to daven for it. So this is part of the Shulchan Aruch. Revolve is connecting it to the Ramban. So some of the commentaries say it's Sakana. But let's say you, uh, you're going to take a pill. You got a headache now. Or you're gonna, you, you take your medicine every day. It's part of your ritual. I'm just telling you what the Mishnah Brewer says. You shouldn't think that any healing is taking place without the Rebona Shalom. I'm not going to say there's no human role over here. There's obviously a human role. There's doctors, there the pharmaceutical companies, and all those miracles from the Rebona Shalom. Now, if you look down at the Mishnah Bura, he says this is not just a uh, empty prayer, not that any prayer is empty, but and then he quotes from the I don't see people doing this. When he says, I don't see people doing this, I don't see people doing this with shame umachos. And I know some people, I should be one of those people, they have in their medicine cabinet. If they have to take medicine, they have this bracha that's listed out. So the point this week, how does this connect to tefillah the, uh, and the parsha that what Yaakov Avinu was doing was the hishtadlis, right? That everything we do in this world should have a tefillah that's associated with it if we're looking for success. It's unbelievable. I mean, I, does anyone do that? I might ask before they take medication, after they take medication. It looks pretty clear that in halacha that's what we're supposed to do. Now, just to go back to something Rabbi Israeli said, that's why I want to tie this in. This was part of the machlokas between Rachel and Yaakov. You know, Rachel and Yaakov had a beautiful relationship, obviously, but even in a good relationship, you're allowed to fight. Maybe it's a better relationship if you fight. It's if you know how to fight. And the, the argument between Rachel and uh, Yaakov is spelled out right in the Torah. We don't really get to see Ra- uh, Leah and Yaakov's fights. They left that out. But Rachel and Yaakov's arguments are straight in the Torah. So if you look at this, let's go back to Vayetzeh. Vatera Rachel kilo yolda Yaakov. Right, that was uh, the shame, you know, the challenge, the inner challenge for uh, Rachel. She didn't keep it inside. Fatikani Rachel Bachosa. She was jealous of Leah, this past week's parsha. Fatomer El Yaakov Havalobanim. So she's talking to Yaakov. You know, what are you doing over here? Leah's lining up. You know, she's already given thank yous for having uh, more than the minimum of the 12, and I'm still uh, unable to have a child. Right, Rivka makes, we saw Rivka made very dramatic statements. This is Rachel's, you know, almost parallel statement. It's the challenge of infertility. It's terrible. So Rashi says, unbelievable Rashi, which I never noticed before. You, Yaakov, you're not behaving the way your father, Yitzchak, did for your mother. He knew, I guess it was passed down, the scene that we have, right? That, remember that scene? Yitzchak's davening for, Le- for uh, Rivka, that she should have a child. That's what he says. So I'm just tying this into the Ramban, that the Ramban is saying this is part of the Hishtadlis. You, Yitzchak, you're not, you haven't put in, you, you, uh, who are we talking to over here? You, Yaakov, right? You haven't put in enough effort. I pointed out a couple weeks ago something from the Sefer Hasidim. The Sefer Hasidim says 
when we come to Davin, I'm not going to read it inside again, but when we come to Davin, Davening is not supposed to be milumada. Nothing should really be milumada, which is rote or mechanical. So I just wanted to give a break to uh, Yaakov Avinu. I'm sure Yaakov Avinu was uh, davening. But maybe, if you give him the benefit of the doubt, maybe he wasn't putting in as much effort as Yitzchak. He already had children. So that's maybe the, the, the taina, that was the argument that uh, Rachel had on him. Now, if you look at just a few sources that I'm throwing out, this actually, I give a tip to my daughter who showed me these sources. When we see this child, what does it mean by Yishmael Okim? Magid Hashem. That again, for her to have a child, she dove into Hashem. If you look again, Lamed Chaf Beis, here's another Arachayim. By Okim. Now we're up to um, Rachel. So you know what Yaakov said back to Rachel? Yaakov said to Rachel, hey, I'm going to dive in. But you have to dive in as well. We all have to put in our shtadlis. Magad Akasov, this is the Archaim. He gam shalla zakran lafanov od hustrachal tzvila. And then finally we have the Sephorno. <coughs> the Sephorno says that Rachel did three things in order to uh, have a child. One is she brought in her tsarasa. Tsarasa over here means her adversary. When you have two wives, the, the relationship between the two, not you, but when, if somebody has two wives, some say one's enough. But if someone has two wives, what's their, what are they called? In-laws? So the term that's used is sarasa. It's literally, I think it's Rashi who explains it. Each one is the pain to the other, right? That's the definition of the relationship. It doesn't say mother-in-law. It says, it says uh, today, you know, we don't have polygamous relationships, but Billa wasn't considered one of the imahos, but she still played this role. So he had to bring in Billa. She had to bring in Billa. Um, what does the Sforno says? That was a human action as well. And finally, So the point of the uh, Ramban is so relevant in so many things that we do, not to look at tefillah outside the realm of a human effort, but it's actually part, as a Jew, is very much part of our human effort, both uh, when people are sick and also when we're well and we're davening for things.